Welcome back to the Only Pop Culture Podcast. My name is Rick, and as always, I am joined in studio for going the traditional introductions this week. I'm joined by Robbie, because it's a special episode today. Oh, okay, because you've cowered out. <laughs> yeah. No, go on. Go on. Do it. Well, we are doing... Uh, we're recording an episode here for International Women's Day, and I didn't feel like it was appropriate on International Women's Day to <laughs> belittle you by disparaging a woman. Yeah, but what if it was an intentionally bad female character? Oh, like Ava Braun, Hitler's wife? Oh, well, <laughs> I, well I said character, but you, <laughs> you just went and pulled from reality. But yeah, I guess that works. But you know, I just didn't feel comfortable throwing a woman under the bus, you know? You yeah. shouldn't feel comfortable throwing anyone under the bus, Rick. No, I like throwing you under the bus. Disgusting. <laughs> we are recording for International Women's Day, and we thought it's only appropriate that we bring some femininity to this episode. Yes. Might be a little bit weird if it was just two guys doing it. So we've decided to both wear skirts for this recording. <laughs> no, we have decided to bring back good friend of the pod and certified woman, <laughs> Dana. <laughs> Welcome back to the pod, Dana. How are you doing? Thank you for approving my certified woman certificate. I really appreciate that <laughs> I had a man validate me. <laughs> Rick, every bullet you dodged, you just ran into a big one. I would like to do my own introduction, actually, and say welcome to the podcast. I'd like to introduce the Natalie and Alex to my Dylans because we're the Charlie's Angels. I've gone for the 2000s Charlie's Angels with Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu. Um, Which so one am I? You're going to be Alex, so Lucy Liu. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Rick is the goofy Natalie, and I'm Dylan. Wait, Natalie, who's Natalie? Cameron Diaz, she's the real goofy one. Okay, yeah, that's cool. I'm fine with that. I'm Lucy yeah. Liu. I just won. That's the first <laughs> intro I've won. <laughs> Oh, you've ruined you've ruined the tradition, Dana. <laughs> whoa, 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 bro! You can't speak to her like that. This is her day. <laughs> this, is, this is her one day. <laughs> no, we are we are here to uh, celebrate International Women's Day, which by the time this episode drops would have been yesterday. So we thought, what better way to do it than to celebrate some of our favorite female characters in pop culture? So what we are going to be doing today is sharing our personal Mount Rushmore's of female characters. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the concept of a Mount Rushmore, it's basically you pick your top four. doesn't have to be in order. It's not a ranking or anything like that, but it is your top four of your favorite, your most influential, your most important female characters in pop culture. So it's a, it's a pretty, pretty straightforward concept. I'm assuming you guys are on board with that. I know that we've done a couple of things and Robbie has been a little bit lost when we've done it. Picking my favorite women was not hard. <laughs> yeah, good, good. <laughs> it was a very simple concept. I was like, Robbie, which 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 characters do you like? I was like, oh, yeah, these ones. I was like, no, yeah, they got to be girls. I was like, oh, okay, cool, these ones. Yeah. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm I've, glad that we're I'll, on I'll be, I'm going to put this out there. I've fucking nailed it this week. <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes of prep and I'm confident. Do we think that there's, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. I don't think there's going to be a lot of crossover between our lists as well, which is good. I feel like we'll only have Star Wars, Star Wars crossover. And there'll be zero of that from my end. I haven't decided, like I haven't locked in my four. I've got five at the moment. And if there is a double up, I've got one that I'm going to slot in there just to spread that love around. I've got 10. Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm, very, uh, I prefer my four much more than my remaining six. So, so yeah, I'll, you I'll, have your top four. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be upset if I lose those. You know. Yeah. Well, not lose, but you know, it's a win. It's a win-win. I don't get to share it myself. You know. Well, it just means that you get to talk about more characters, right? So if I mention one of the characters that you had, then you can kind of value add and then carry on. That's yeah. what women do. You know, we value add and we really bring people together. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm starting. I'm starting to get it. It's a very foreign concept to me as a a man. Yeah, very unhelpful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I uh, I don't do much. <laughs> I, I lift things and build things, and uh, I sleep. Yeah. Well, should we get into it then? Sure. Absolutely. All right. Ladies first. Thank you, Rick. All right, Robbie. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, 
Excellent. Thank you. I'm going to start uh, with my first pick, who I know we said we don't really have a, a ranking, but this person is quite high up for me. It's a TV character, and I've gone with Leslie Nope from Parks and Recreation as my first pick. I adore Leslie, and for me, she's somebody that everybody sees trust to make those decisions. She's always cheerful, ambitious, hardworking and optimistic, a huge amount of passion, which is something that I try to bring into my own life, very community-oriented, gives credit where credit's due and absolutely loves lifting people up and giving them the validation that they need. I know they changed the character initially. Season one, it was very much almost Michael Scott version of the character Uh, And I think they changed it up in season two to their advantage. Like it's worked out really well that she's come into her own. She's her own person and I adore her. That's what made the show for me, seeing the progression and the just constant commitment that she has to do better, um, to push the people around her and be that supportive leader to her team. She was one of my honourable mentions. I had Leslie Nope on the list as well. She was in my remaining six. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's I, yeah, good choice. You've you've got <laughs> thumbs up across the board there for for Leslie Knope. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. I think for me she she just made me want to be a better person in general. Like seeing her on screen and the way that she has that drive. I was like, "Oh man, it just makes me want to do more and be better and not in a way that I'm like, mm, I can't believe she's doing that." Like I've never known anyone to not like the character Leslie Knope. I think one of the things that I like about Leslie as well is that she has, I'm saying Leslie, like we're good friends. <laughs> Mrs. Nope. Oh, Mrs. she is. That's what it makes <laughs> you feel like, right? It makes it feel like she is your good friend. She's one of those characters, like you watch her grow over the over the course of the series as well. And she's kind of like, by the end of it, like she has it all, you know, like she's, I don't know if you guys have seen the last, last season where she goes on and she's like, you know, she's a big figure in politics mm. and she has the family. She's like, everything is kind of like, everything works out for Leslie. And it's like, yeah, I like, I appreciate that everything worked out for her because I've seen her grow throughout this and she does like, you know, she has the family. She's a good mother to her family. She has like the successful career. It's like, yeah, you fucking go girl. Well done, Leslie. No. (laughs) I don't know what I like better as far as like her relationships with people go, like her relationship with Ben, which is hilarious. Or her her relationship with Ron, because he's kind of like her dad, but she tells him what to do. (laughs) Yeah. She's just such a good character to have. I love her affirmations for Anne as well. Just being like, oh, Anne, you beautiful goldfish. Constant, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Leslie, no, good start. Good start. Robbie, do you want to pitch in with yours now? You can go next if you'd like. Uh, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm happy to go next. Because I'm confident that my number one pick, I know it's a Rushmore, but my Abe Lincoln, <laughs> he's my favourite of those four presidents. Okay. Um, no one will pick my Abe Lincoln. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I have I have two which I have a concern which we might cross over. So you're going to cross it off now? I'll, I'll, go, I'll go one of them off. And I, I feel like this is the – I'm going to go with the obvious choice. And I'm going to go with the OG, Princess Leia Organa. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, 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 know that that, I know that that's the basic pick. Like, I get it, but I couldn't do this list – the damsel in distress. The damsel in distress <laughs> that ends up taking over her own rescue mission and saving the boys. Like, just fantastic. She's the princess, the senator, the general, the Jedi, just like a galactic hero, inspiring a generation of viewers. We we forget that Star Wars came out in the 70s and gave people an avenue of like, I can look up to this person. She is like obviously my all-time favorite female character. It's it's Princess Leia. She's all t- number one all time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I feel like it's it's wow. hard. To argue That's such a big that. call. I like. Don't get me wrong. Like, I have close seconds, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that list now. Like, everybody's like giving their number ones. This is my like. If I had to put a a list and a ranking, this would be my number one. That's how I feel about my number one. Yeah. Okay. And I'm assuming this obviously isn't it because you didn't say that this was it. She's not even in my ten. I, I, I had. Yeah. I have. A She's not in mine one. either. I have a Star Wars one, but I didn't want it to be Princess I have Leia. a feeling I know who your Star Wars one is, and they're also in my yeah. honorable mentions as well. I just wanna She's I just wanna going. go over our introduction to Princess Leia, her opening scene where like her first lines she's <laughs> roasting face to face with Lord Vader, the most dangerous man in the universe, in the galaxy, and she doesn't fucking blink an eye. And it's just in the face of sheer terror, 
she's just like, nah, fuck it. I'm, I'm actually like the baddest bitch here and I don't give a fuck. And it's, yeah, it's the introduction is just perfect. You get halfway through the movie and you're introduced back to Leia when the boys come and rescue her and the rescue mission just turns to absolute shit. So she just takes control and basically ends up helping them save her. It's, it's just fantastic. Like, it just turns the whole damsel in distress trope on its head because she is not a damsel in distress. She is, in most instances, the most competent person in the room. I so, think it's wild that like how she gave Vader all that sass, but about five minutes before that, he had the Rogue One hallway scene. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. And like, yeah. not even that, but like in that same movie... Five seconds before she's doing that, he literally lifts a rebel commander off the ground with one hand and chokes him out. Like, crushes this dude's windpipe. He's got robot hands. Oh, who cares? Cheating. That doesn't make it less terrifying. I could do that with robot hands. (laughs) And if the person was small enough, I could do it now. (laughs) I'm not terrifying. Like I said, I know it's it's the basic pick. I know it's the obvious pick, but I couldn't do this list without it. So... But why does she need so much to you individually? Like, I understand why she's such a great character. Like, she's the original baddest of them all, you know? But why why is that such an important thing for you? Because she's, like, an an inspirational leader It was Rick's first crush. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's not the case. Just to simplify it, it was Rick's first crush. The the inspirational leader, like, the second movie, uh, Empire Strikes Back, she is the one that's giving all of the orders. She's the one that's telling people how to, like, escape Hoth, and she's putting all of their needs ahead of her own. She's the last person to leave mm. the planet. I Like, to me, Leia is the epitome of what a good leader should be. She puts everybody's needs first while making, like, you know, just nailing it under pressure at Even all times. Even in the sequels. Even the sequels. Like, we can we can talk about how much we enjoy the sequels at another Thusly. time. <laughs> but, I will not be involved in that conversation. But... <laughs> <laughs> but Leia doesn't stop killing it the entire time. And it's you see her become this figure of just like awe around her and everybody's like, oh my God, it's, it's Princess Leia or it's, it's General Organa. Like everybody's just in absolute awe of her, but she doesn't stop being that caring figure that just takes care of everybody around her, controls the situation. And yeah, like I said, she is just like, to me, the epitome of what a leader should be. Yeah, that's Princess Leia for me. Yeah, great. Wow. Oh, it's time to put you in the dirt. <laughs> Good pick. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to show you what a real pick looks like. All right. So, I just want to, just for the record, this isn't a competition. I know, but I'm coming. <laughs> this is just a celebration. No, nah, in honor of the character. I'm Classic men now. making it a competition in, all the time. Honor, in, on, <laughs> in honor of the character I'm about to announce, I need to come in with some, some hard sass, you know, very, very strong character, my character. And that is none other then Avatar The Last Airbender's Toph Beifong, the blind bandit, the inventor of metal bending. She is my favorite female character in anything I've ever watched. She's a blind little girl who ends up being one of the strongest characters in the world of this show, even in the season after when there's the new Avatar and she's like in her 80s. Yeah. She's still one of the strongest characters in the show and she's just rolling around. But she started off uh, with a rich family who was just like, oh, she's blind. She can't do anything. So she learned from the original Earthbenders how to use earthbending from the badger moles, the giant badger moles. This girl is blind, Rick. And Dana, she can't see. But she found a way through (laughs) the magical abilities of like earthbending to sense her environment through vibrations so she doesn't even need her eyes. And then she invents a whole other range of bending, which is like... Pioneer. She's pioneer. And you know how she did it? She was she was put in a box. And then she was just like, I don't want to be in this box. I'm going to get out somehow. And then she just punched a hole through metal. Because she can't. And I think one of my things I like about her is that they introduced her as like, oh, it's just a weak little girl. And then all of a sudden she's there bullying the avatar, the main character, the protagonist of the show. She's like calling him Twinkle Toes. Twinkle Toes. Thank you, Rick. I got yeah. you back. Twinkle Toes. And then she's making fun of soccer and Katara. She's just there like, yeah, I'm just here for a good time, guys. You know, it is what it is. I do what I do. Deal with it. I'm like, yeah, get in there, man. Get in there. <laughs> no, she's, she's a great character. I love her. Have you ever watched Avatar, Dana? I have probably watched maybe six episodes. Ooh. It just wasn't something that I got into <sighs> as a kid. 
Um, watch it as an adult. You'll have a whole new yeah, appreciation that's been the reaction for it. from most people <laughs> have said. Look, I did watch those six episodes as an adult, watch them at a friend's place a couple of years ago. Um, and maybe I'll get into it, but I've only heard good things about it. Um, and that's why she hasn't watched it. Yeah, I'm just trying to read up on the character now. Yeah. She's so good. Just prioritizing other things, you know. <laughs> yeah. We're all busy people. No shame. Yeah. <laughs> you could watch Avatar about three times before you finish Parks and Rec. Look, I must say, I do watch Parks and Rec every year. <laughs> <laughs> it is a show that I regularly, that, I regularly watch because I'm like, show? oh, I'm feeling down. I need some Leslie. I need some yeah, Leslie note. Okay. Yeah. I think what it was is a few years ago, I moved into an apartment on my own and for a good six months, I refused to get internet. I was just like, oh no, I want to be one of those people that doesn't need the internet. Um, and so I didn't have uh, the ability to stream anything and somehow I had a copy of Parks and Rec on my laptop, so I would just watch that on loop over and over again and loved it. That was all I would do. <laughs> and, then, and then after six months I was like, okay, I definitely need to keep up with all of these references that people are referring to with Stranger Things and this, that, and the other. So I last yeah, yeah, it's in there. All the important things. Cool. Tough. Tough because she's tough. I blanked on Toph. I didn't have her on my list. But she has like some of the best scenes in television. I know. I do like Toph. All right. Dana, your next pick? I feel like the common thread between my four picks is passion. Uh, But for my second pick, I've actually gone with someone that most people dislike. uh, And I would say had a very interesting character arc where they became more of a villain. Um, and I've gone with Wendy Bird from Ozark. I don't know if either of you have watched Ozark It's before. on my list on Netflix. Yeah, I've never watched it, so you're going to have to give us the rundown. Yeah. Is that is that um, Jason Bateman's husband, uh, wife? Correct. Or you could say that um, Jason Bateman's character, Marty, is her husband because we know we're not all submissive to men, <laughs> Robbie. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, Robbie, you misogynistic scumbag. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, get in the bin. Uh, so talk to a bit of a rundown like on <laughs> a bit of a rundown on Ozark. The Bird family get themselves into a bit of a sticky situation with a drug cartel, um, specifically Marty Bird does, and he needs to pay them back. So they decide to launder money in the Ozarks, which is kind of a lake district in Missouri. Previous uh, to becoming a mother, Wendy was a political operative. So she would work within government organizations and for politicians and was very manipulative and powerful, highly intelligent, highly ambitious. Um, And that was kind of quashed uh, as she became a mother. And then as the birds get themselves in more and more tricky situations, Wendy kind of steps up to the plate and takes over and really starts running the show. And people really struggle to deal with that because she is very driven and selfish uh, and cunning and dangerous. And I was just mesmerized by it, I think, because it's the complete opposite way that I would think I would handle things. She was very controlled in her approach and I think started to outshine her husband and other family members. And I think that's actually why people struggled with her as a character. And she can be quite selfish at times as well. So for me, it was just such an interesting thing to see a woman on screen like this. And she was portrayed so beautifully by Laura Linney and yeah, just thrives in decision-making and coming up with a plan and yeah, highly recommend. I know a lot of people, I did struggle between Wendy Bird and then Ruth Langmore, who's kind of the main um, hero of the show. I would say most people really love her. Um, but Wendy Bird for me really stood out, I think, because of this villainous uh, trait that went through and, and kind of arced up over the seasons. So would recommend. I know both of you are scaredy cats and don't like scary things. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> we don't want to be scared. I'm getting um, better. And it's a bit of a thriller. There are some There are some tense moments throughout. It's a bit more like crimey. I would say it's like Breaking yeah, Bad. Um, so if you're into that, Horror you'd really enjoy is not. Uh, Ozark. Oh, little wobbly can't handle the whole one. Oh, <laughs> no, we <it's> can't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robbie. 
And wick. He can't handle it either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Toughen up. <laughs> it is what it is. We all have our things. Dana's yeah. making fun of wick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's why Wendy Bird is uh, on my Mount Rushmore. Interesting. I didn't expect anyone to have, I don't know if she fully classifies as a villain, but I didn't expect anyone to go down that path. It's I, I, I don't have any villains on my list at all. I almost had Azula. <laughs> Azula. <laughs> Just making the entire list from Avatar. I could have. I really could have. To be fair, a lot of good female characters <laughs> from Avatar. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they're all sick. Interesting. Yeah, I think for me, like, I wanted to go with characters that had a big impact mm. on me and I think she for sure had an impact on me because it was just not what I'd seen on screen before. And I would say all of the female characters don't fit in those traditional moulds that we put female characters in on Ozark. Like, they're very head-driven and vulnerable at the same time. Like, they're, they're very calculated, I would say, and we're not used to seeing calculated women on screen. Mm. So... Would recommend. Say that once you hear my pick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'll go with my second then. So this is another one which I was kind of thinking maybe Robbie might have this one on his list, just given the the conversations that we have on this podcast all the time. But I am going with one of my favorite literary characters, female characters, and I'm going with Annabeth Chase from the Percy Jackson series. So... Coming soon to Patreon. <laughs> Robbie reading Percy Jackson. I'll do it. <laughs> we might need to bump up the levels if we're going to be doing that. Yeah. You'll be doing the voices as well, right, Robbie? Of course. <laughs> voices is an additional fee. You heard it here first, yeah. folks. Yeah, there'll be the uh, the $15 is just the normal voices and then the $20 is if you want Robbie to do the actual characters. If you want to be transported. <laughs> <laughs> Taken away into a whimsical world. <laughs> so Annabeth is a bit of, I guess she's kind of like the Hermione Granger stand-in for the Percy Jackson She's franchise. better. But she, to me, a better character. The The reason why I like Annabeth is because She's actually quite a flawed character as well. There's the thing with like, they talk about it in Greek tragedies a lot and they do talk about it in the Percy Jackson series of the heroes having their their fatal flaws and Annabeth's fatal flaw is her hubris, she, her pride. She always believes that she can do better than what anybody else is doing. But she's someone who consist- consistently learns from that as well. She is aware of her flaws. She's a very self-aware person. You know, she's probably done some good... Uh, self-development courses in uh, Camp Half-Blood herself. So she's a very self-aware character. But just she's one of those characters where she's not necessarily the most powerful person at all times because she's out with Percy Jackson, who (laughs) is just insanely powerful, like immensely powerful. This is also a world that is just full of gods as well, you know? So she's she's never the most powerful person going around, but she always comes off as... She's just the most competent. I, I, this is a theme that I have. She's through. like usually one of the smartest people in the room. Exactly, exactly. And this is a theme that I have. Like I know I said this for for Leia as well, and I'm going to say this for one of my other characters coming up very shortly as well. Is that she always seems to be in control of the situation. She's always somebody who is again like a fantastic leader. She ends up leading the Greeks in battle, and it's just she captures this again. Like we talk about the tropes and, and turning tropes on their heads. The She's Percy Jackson's love interest throughout the story, but she's so much more than just being Percy Jackson, the titular character's love interest throughout the story. She is someone who has her own story. She has her own arc. She has her own things that are going on and is just constantly growing throughout that. And I just feel like she's, because of those flaws and because of those things that she faces, and I'm going to do a bit of comparison to Hermione Granger here, who a lot of the times is just this perfect being. And I find it very hard to relate to somebody who is just this, you know, perfect character with no flaws. And I just find it so much easier to to attach myself to Annabeth, I guess. And, you know, like she, her, her lifelong ambition is to become an architect as opposed to Hermione, who whose lifelong ambition is to become the, like, she ends up becoming the minister of magic. And it's like, yeah, cool. Like way to go, Hermione. But also like, what about the people that just want to have a regular job? You know, like I just find it so much more relatable. I find, like I said, she's got her flaws, but she's just a fantastic character who continues to grow throughout the series. And yeah, I, I am a big fan of Annabeth Chase. Again, can't wait for the TV show to come out next year. I'm 
annoyed every time I turn on Disney Plus and I see Incoming Soon. It's got Percy Jackson. And then I look at it again and it says 2024. I'm fucking furious. <laughs> but yeah, Annabeth Chase. Annabeth <laughs> Chase is my pick. I've canceled my Disney subscription. Quick question. Have you actually canceled your Disney subscription? No, but I was thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> why, why did you say that? Because <laughs> I want to, every time I see it, I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to keep seeing this when I put Disney on. I don't care. I don't care that it's coming soon. I want it now. You've been telling me it's coming soon for six months, and now you're telling me it's not going to be here till next year. It's February, Rick. I'm it's tired Feb- of being hurt. It's going to be a year and a half before we get it. I'm not a happy boy. <laughs> don't shout at me about it. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. That's why. Quick question. Yep. Is she also blind? No. no, but she has storm gray eyes. Yeah, so she could look blind. Yeah, I did a quick research because I have not consumed any Percy Jackson. That's I'm really why you want holding that out for the Patreon for this. <laughs> but uh, it says Annabeth is cursed with blindness. I'm pretty sure at one point she From is. the fact that she killed Polyphemus in the Sea of Monsters. Mm, yeah. Using her invisibility cap and called herself nobody. So yeah, it was like are a, we saying we've got like two blind characters curse. on this list as well? Right, okay. Yeah. No, nah, she's not. she's not blind. That's just like a okay. a one-time thing, kind of. Didn't they just chuck the fleece on her? It was there Gucci. we go. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was only a couple of pages of blindness. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Gucci fleece. <laughs> Bro, if Gucci got a hold of the golden fleece, it'd look good. <laughs> All right, are you ready for my second pick? Of course. Arguably. One of the best mothers in television, okay? Her husband, I, I think, didn't do too well on our Father's Day tier list. I'm going none other than with Kitty Foreman from that 70s show. Wow, okay. Ooh! I love this woman. <laughs> I love this woman. I can't believe they've made that 90s show. I'm pretty sure it's going to be garbage, but I'm going to watch it for her and Red exclusively. I don't care that the rest of the original cast is coming back. I'm just there for them. But Kitty is just like the most loving mother ever. Like Red is such a hard ass with just Eric. But I feel like Kitty was always there, like reassuring him, encouraging him to do what he wanted to, to follow his passions, you know, regardless of if it was just to play with Star Wars action figures in the basement. She was just like, do what makes you happy. But then at the same time, she was a good disciplinary figure. If I ever stepped out of line, she was like, oh, can't believe you did this, you know, a little psh, over the head. But then also she has her flaws as well, where I remember one episode, Eric has to go help. It's like, bring your kid to work day, whatever. And Eric goes to the hospital where she works at and follow, and he's like, oh my God, I don't know how you deal with all this stress here. And then you come home and deal with all of it there. And then he looks over and she's just like smoking a cigarette. And he's just like, ah. <laughs> but like, so she has all her things. It all makes sense. Self-medicating. She, yeah. Well, she's like, she's just... <laughs> I know you've watched that 70s show. Yeah. It is a chaotic household to be a part of, but she seems to just make it work with what she has. Because even like the other families going around, like Bob and Midge and <laughs> Jackie's parents, you know, that none of them work. But nah. but Red and Kitty are just like together the whole time through through everything. Regardless of if it's Kelso blowing stuff in their blowing up stuff in their backyard or their daughter Laurie doing whatever she's doing. <laughs> or, you know, Eric just being Eric. <laughs> Getting high in the basement. Getting high in the basement, yeah. <laughs> but no, Kitty Kitty Foreman is is one of my favourite television characters of all time. Iconic laugh. Yeah, great. I think love that she lets all these kids just stay in her house mm. all the time. Like that is always a sign of a fun mum. When you, you know when you go to somebody's house and they're like, "That's all right, my mum's cool," uh, <laughs> and they just let you all. I've always hang out. That's what Kitty Foreman is. She's always reminded me a little bit of my mum, but I've also never thought of either of them as like the cool mum because they're like they're like they want the fun to be around, but they're also quite daggy. And when she tries to talk to the kids, she's like, "You guys doing all that cool things?" And they're always like, "Yeah, thanks, Mrs. Foreman." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what makes a fun mum, though. Right? Oh, she's she's a fun mum, but she's yeah. not like the cool mum. You know what I mean? There's a yeah. difference. Everyone yeah. everyone loves Mrs. Foreman. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Again, like that was not one that I had on my list either. So that's an interesting choice. I do have a uh, a mother figure coming up as well. So Rick picking a mother figure. I also have a mother on my list. Interesting. Should we, should we just do all our mothers now? Dana, do you want to go with yours? 
I was going to finish on my mother, but I will actually. Um, and my mother comes from an animated TV show, Ooh. but I don't think it's the one that you're thinking of. Some people know this about me. I do preach about it a lot, a lot, but I'm a huge fan of Bluey. It is the show that I watch if I am sick and home all day. Like I will put Bluey on because I find it so wholesome as somebody who grew up in Queensland as well and seeing all the design of these beautiful Queenslander houses, like it's very nostalgic um, and calming for me. And so my pick is actually Chili, who's the mother on Bluey. Now I have a set of Chili pajamas as well. I'm such a Bluey fan. I am. And it's funny, I've got a friend who's got a little kid. Yeah, they're for adults. I have a friend who has a kid who's got a a, uh, bandit and, bluey and bingo toy but no chili and I was like what's the deal with that um but for me chili is dependable she while prioritizing her family she also knows how to take care of herself and really prioritize that self-care which is great to see she's comforting she's playful and I just love her character arc throughout the show as well like initially in the first season she was kind of in a spattering of episodes here and there because they really did focus on bandit as the parent figure because you know apparently men weren't good parents so like well we need to show a good a good man on screen but Chili's really come into her own and I adore her and adore the show so that's why I've put Chili from Bluey on my list. When when you said Bluey I thought it was like some ABC 90s cartoon that I missed in my childhood and then I just looked it up and I was like oh shit no it's the current day cartoon oh my goodness. Bluey is huge I'm surprised that you haven't heard of it no I've heard of it but it's not in my life enough for me to know it by name you know what I mean like because like, my little cousins they're like yeah five and seven so yeah. it's very much a, a thing that I'll see like I'll see a sticker of it somewhere yeah, in the house. Yeah, I was gonna say like I like I listen. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I was listening to a, a basketball podcast the other day, and they were talking about Bluey on there. It's like this is yeah, Bluey is massive. Bluey is very very popular at this point in time. And I've heard like people and Blue's yeah, Clues is my homeboy though. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people saying that it's a show just as much for or just as much if not more for the parents than it is for. The oh, that's kids. awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Because apparently Bluey is just an absolute little shit most of the times. So it's like they're teaching kids bad lessons. He learns his lesson by the end of the episode, but for like the majority of the episodes, Bluey is just a little shit. And it's, yeah, bingo and chili dealing with all of that. Also, Bluey's a female. It's the, yeah, the, both the kids are I, female. I, I remember yeah, hearing so that. Bluey, Bluey, was Bluey a boy. is a girl. What, because no, he's blue? Bluey and bingo are She's both blue? girls. No, because yeah. it's like I just Rude. Thought it was Bluey. Yeah. Don't you care about women? <laughs> Rick, this episode was my idea. You're missing the whole point of yeah. your own idea, Rick. Goodness. Yeah. So Bluey, Bluey, and Bingo, the two children, are female, and then Bandit is the father, and oh, Chili is, is the mother. I remember my mom came yeah. home and she was like, "Found out today that Bluey's a girl," and I was just like. Who's Bluey? <laughs> so what are we talking about? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Too good. Uh, yeah, there was an episode that they did that was like an 80s throwback where it was really being like bandits' childhoods. So that was really fun seeing Seeing that. There's so many great lessons in there. It, it's a quality show. They did a whole episode about the ethics behind Pass the Parcel because one of the parents was like, no, it should be random. Like I'm not going to be looking to when I – pause the song like it is what it is and then the other parents being like no every kid must end up with a present we have to wrap a lolly with those parents are layer losers. and it's like oh this is controversial yeah i agree don't need a layer per like a lolly per layer not needed yeah, it's a game <laughs> Run people the lose yeah, teach yeah. the kids the yeah hard and that was the early. lesson they were trying to yeah exactly so yeah look there was other mothers on my list but i really wanted to advocate for chili and for bluey i like that plus it's my dream to work on bluey like i've always wanted to i'm constantly looking on ludo's job site to see if they're looking for any producers or production managers on that show because that would be a dream i would i would move to brisbane to go work on bluey like i love it that much (laughs) wow (laughs) that's so cool though yeah you're you're there going wow i'm like damn that's sick (laughs) i love that yeah (laughs) but also another fun fact about bluey 
Um, so they don't credit any of the voice actors for the children's role because they're played by actual children of the people that work on the show behind the scenes um, and they don't they want them to rena- remain anonymous. So it's only the parents that are credited and listed on there because they really want these kids to still have a normal childhood and not have people following being like, look, that's Bluey. The kids um, still get paid though, right? Which is really interesting and cool. Yeah, the, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. So, okay, this isn't like a the child labour thing. The parents are just there <laughs> No, no, but it's time to read your lines. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like, you know, Peppa Pig and The Simpsons where you see this kid and it completely ruins their illusion being like, look, that's that person's voice. Yeah. I'm like, mm, no, it's not, Mum. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Again, not another one that I didn't expect to have on the list. So. That's been the most left field pick, in my opinion. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Well, mine, my my mother figure is not technically a mother in the sense of like, you know, having given birth to a child, but is a mother figure. An adoptive parent. An adoptive parent. Exactly. Yes. Uh-oh. So. Robbie looks concerned. I'm just trying to think of what you watch. <laughs> there shouldn't be any concerns here. <laughs> is it Star Wars? It's not Star Wars. Okay. I, I'll tell you who it is instead of you trying to- uh... No, I want to guess. <laughs> in, in my opinion, although she isn't the actual mother, this is kind of the, to me, the epitome of being a caregiver. Hold on. My dogs are barking. Give me one second. <laughs> a few moments later- Okay, I'm back. I'm back. So this character is part of the superhero universe, part of the Marvel universe. Oh, okay. I I know it. I know it. Not a superhero themselves. Yeah. But to me, they they have some superpowers. This is this person is I think the inspiration for my personal favorite superhero of all time, the greatest superhero of all yeah, time. Yeah, okay, I know who it is. And is the epitome of just like loving and caring. I'm going with Aunt May. Marissa Tomei. You. Not not necessarily Marissa Tomei, but just Aunt May in general. No, but Marissa Tomei though. Spider-Man, a lot of the time in comics, in movies, is the, the main inspiration is always, you know, Uncle Ben's famous line, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. For me... The real inspiration is the everyday that he sees with Aunt May because she is just one of the most loving and caring people to ever have been put into media. She's not only obviously Peter's main caregiver, but also cares for her entire community. Uh, I guess in like, you know, we talked about this with Leslie Nope as well, but she run like helps run Feast, is constantly giving back you know, looking after the homeless, that kind of thing. She is just, she just, she just cares for everybody around her. It's not just a thing of like, yeah, you know, like this is my family and I look after my family. She has genuine love and affection for everybody that is around her. To me, the true inspiration for Peter Parker. And I, for me, she's not a superpower being, but she's not just, she's not just the housewife. She's not just the caregiver. She's not just the mum. She is, her superpower is being a caregiver. She's like, like the, the old sage type thing. There's always like an old sage, like a mentor or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, like yeah. yeah. Whenever, whenever thing, like, Peter's she's, going through something, she's always got like- She's the always right there to pick to him say. up. She's there to pick him up. She's there to hold him accountable in a world full of evilness and supervillains and all that kind of thing. She is there to be like just always looking out for her fellow humans and always passing that message on to Peter as well and passing that message on to the people around her as well. Like it's not just Peter Parker that is inspired by Aunt May. It's everybody that comes into contact is like, holy shit, Aunt May is just fucking fantastic. Like how can we not love this woman? And, you know, you have Marissa Tomei in the latest Spider-Man movies, probably the most like, if we're being honest of Peter Parker being a teenager, the most age appropriate depiction of an aunt instead of like what she oh, has sure. been in it's other Toby like <laughs> in Tobey Maguire's uh, Spider-Man or the comics where she's like this frail almost 85 year old woman for teenage teenage Peter Parker it just it sometimes it doesn't make sense but yeah like I said she is an inspirational figure because she is caring and obviously like we all we all love our mums we say goodbye to our mums every episode on the podcast here. It's just, yeah, for me, like in 
in modern Hollywood, I think there's a little bit of a narrative where being a caregiver or being a mum isn't necessarily like deemed as fulfilling. And I think that she is the example against that as to why, like, you know, I, I really wanted to have a mum on my list because I feel like sometimes in modern Hollywood that does get lost a little bit. And for the people, like, mm. for, for the mums that want to be, people want to be mums. And I feel like that doesn't get celebrated enough personally. And that's why I wanted to have a mother figure on my list as well. So, well, I mean, Love it. That's, that's a really good one. But uh, me personally, I didn't look for a mother figure. She found me. um quick question yes who is related to peter's parents like is it the uh, like is uncle ben related to peter's mum or dad dad, or yeah i'm pretty sure they were brothers yeah wow which makes it more powerful right because there's no specific blood relation there yes between aunt may and peter parker yeah yeah yeah, just, yeah. And like I said, like that love, like obviously she has immense amounts of love for Peter, but that love expands to everybody that is around. Like everybody that comes into Aunt, into contact with Aunt May is just like blown away by how much she gets. And like, even again, like in this last, in the last Spider-Man movie where Norman Osborn rocks up and she's like, no, we have to save these. We have to save these villains. Like these guys are bad guys, but we have to save them. And that is the message that she passes on to Peter Parker every single day is that like, no, you have to care for your fellow humans because with great power comes great responsibility. And she like embodies that just as much as what Peter Parker does. She so. embodies it as much as she got bodied. Ah, that's uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely uncalled for. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, but yeah, Aunt May. When did this become a snuff podcast, team? <laughs> going on <laughs> how dare you you're gonna have to change it the rating of this podcast now <laughs> yeah, rated m for mothers <laughs> okay all right robbie my third pick is a villain probably one of the most kind of shock effective characters i've ever seen whenever she's on the screen i'm always nervous for anyone that's there with her because she just has this this power, and she's very manipulative, but also very good at what she does. And uh, that is Cersei Lannister, horrible human being. Wow. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But I like, I don't know about you, but like a lot of movies and shows I like tend to be decided by how good their villain is. You can have a superhero, Mm. but if the villain's boring or just not good, it doesn't make for quality entertainment. Like one of my favorite shows is Sherlock. And it's only good until Moriarty's gone. You know what I mean? Have you watched it? No. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Anyway, well, yeah, basically a show to me is only as good as its villain because it kind of, it's a it's a plot driver, you know, like things don't really happen without that, that character. And Cersei Lannister just fucks shit up. From, from the jump when they end up in Winterfell in the first episode, she's there... She's married to the king. She's not there because she's royalty. She's royalty by marriage, not by blood. And she's got him wrapped around his finger because he's like, oh, yeah, well, they, her family brings in the money. Without her, I'm broke. So she's pretty much ruling the kingdom from the jump. And she just, whenever someone makes an enemy of her, she gets rid of them, but she does she does it indirectly. So it can't be traced directly back to her unless she wants people to know I did this and this is because I said of this and you will do what I say because I'm me, you know, I'm the queen, I'm a boss, deal with it. And it takes a very long time for Karma to catch up with her. And in my opinion, she got off lightly. You've watched Game of Thrones. Oh no, no you haven't. I've watched the first oh, two my seasons. God. But I, I always am- forget. I haven't either. I've oh, not God. watched it. I am aware that Cersei is... Like a straight up villain, though. She's, I, I just, Lena Headey does yeah. such a yeah. good job across in that. that, like, with that role. When I started watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, Ned Stark, he's the coolest ever. But, like, after three seasons, I was like, I'm pretty sure Cersei's my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I wasn't okay with it, but I was like, I never enjoy scenes more than when she's on the screen because she just has that, she commands your attention and, and, oh, it's just, I can't describe, I think I'm just in love with her, but I don't want to say that, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> she's just, 
Yeah, well, well you just no, did. But she's, um, and it's okay to love women, no, but, Robbie. You don't need to no, listen to me. I know it's okay to love women, but she's um, she's a, she's a straight up monster. But I don't know. Just, the fact that she has everyone backed against the wall, but she's not strong enough to do anything herself. You know what I mean? She she finds someone that can do something, and then she manipulates them to manipulate someone else. And so she's got like this massive like web that she yeah. controls and then she has all these people she's pulling the strings yeah she's pulling strings like master puppeteer sounds very much like wendy bird then in terms of making all the plans assigning mm-hmm. people to do it but not actually the one executing it so therefore pretty sure doesn't she, take the blame she doesn't Is kill that anyone kind of strong power thing common in the female characters in game of thrones because i know you've got like Arya stark and daenerys um. and um, a couple of other really in like a different way. strong female characters, which strong is well, an interesting yeah, like um, the female characters in to Game of Thrones. Are, but like I was saying, I could have cho- I could have made my whole list of Avatar, but I could have done the same with Game of Thrones. Mm. You know, like every like mm. you got the Starks, you got Sansa, Arya, Catelyn. They're all great characters, and you've got like a character like Brienne of Tarth, who's like the Lady Knight. She's insane. Yeah, no, they're just women across the board in Game of Thrones are done so well. But yeah, I think Cersei kind of just has them all beat just a little. Except for maybe Daenerys, but I felt like she was a basic pick. <laughs> I did have um, her on my Robbie list as a pick that you would have made. Do you think then that the female characters in Game of Thrones are better than the male characters? Uh, yeah, I would. Like if I was to rate them, I'd probably give the Ooh. female characters like a eight and a half and the, and the or maybe a nine. And then I'd give the guys maybe like an eight or a seven and a half because there's a lot of great male characters yeah. but i feel like there's so there's a few that bring down their average mm. it's like, also i think like in game of thrones yeah. where the women are also quite prevalent like there's not a like you compare it to other fantasy series like you lord know of the rings. lord of the rings which you know fantastic and we've talked about how much we love lord of the rings but there's two women <laughs> in the entire in the entire like the original series. trilogy in star wars there's two yeah. women and there's only one for the first two movies exactly yeah whereas yeah in you can keep going like you can keep listing people mm. in game of thrones so again another interest like not one that i expected you to have like just a straight up evil villain i just love villains man it's so good <laughs> it's good though women are complex and we're allowed to be we're allowed to be villains just, <laughs> like it's fine if men if men can just, why can't I think we the bigger thing you is know? like People shouldn't be villains. No, 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 no. <laughs> in no, no, general. Because no. without villains, there aren't heroes, Rick. But no. Yeah. Have you not watched the latest season of Survivor? <laughs> Come on. No. You're talking about Survivor Australia, right? Oh, yeah, mate. We could spend a whole episode dissecting that if you want to, because I am. <laughs> I am all in. Season. It's so good. Yeah, 100% I don't know if I can all watch in. Survivor. <laughs> Survivor's great. I've actually, yeah, again. I know. Like, I, I went through a phase where I think I binged like eight seasons in maybe a month. Yeah. yeah. And then I was just like, I don't need to do that again for a long time. Corey gets uncomfortable watching it because she's like, they're all so mean. Why do they keep backstabbing each other? It's like, that's the game. It's like, no, I don't like it. I'm not watching this anymore. There's money <laughs> on the line. All right. Dana, last one. Yeah, my final pick. I've actually gone for a film character for this one and a bit of a throwback so this is a character who appeared in a film in 2002 and I've gone with Jess Bamra from Bend It Like Beckham I don't know if Jess, either one of you have seen Jess that Kira classic Knightley? movie no that's Jules Jess is the oh, main she's character so cool. <laughs> I, I have I've never watched it oh uh, you it's are missing out it's great um, I think for me, the reason that I put Jess on my list as a Mount Rushmore character is it really did form some of my adolescence. Like I started playing soccer because of this film and seeing these badass women playing soccer on the field. I was just like, oh my God, I want to be part of that. As a 10 year old, I was like, I'm in. For me, Jess is determined. She's tough, but also very naive. She's grown up in quite a sheltered life with the expectation that she finishes school, she'll go to university in the UK and she'll marry a South Asian man and that's her life. And she has dreams kind of beyond that, um, but is really torn with the pressure and um, focus of her family as well. And the film's contrasted with her wanting to go on this 
football journey at the same time that her sister is going through a marriage and kind of contrasting the traditional route that Jess is exposed supposed to take compared to the the football life that she's following now yeah she's again I think it's a character that's passionate as well which has been a common theme with all of mine family focus which has been a common theme but also just the football skills incredible and so for me that's why she had such a big impact and is on my list I yeah definitely watch it Rick it's a great movie really funny um light-hearted who's the it's got some tears. So who's it? It's Kiara Knightley. Well. Kira Knightley, sorry. Um so bad. Amanda, Amanda Burns, isn't it? Um Amanda Barnes? Amanda. Say Amanda. Is it Barnes? No, yeah, you're thinking she's, she's the man. man. Oh, you're thinking she's Channing the man. Taylor. Different soccer movie. No. Bandit Light Beckham. Bandit Light Beckham has uh Parminda Nagra, I think, in it. And Jonathan Jonathan Reese Myers plays the heartthrob in it it's a very like indie british film from 2002 that kind of took off and that was the kind of career launcher for kira knightley because after this film she did pirates of the caribbean even though she was in the phantom menace she did play um like natalie portman's double in that film but yeah this was the film that launched kira knightley's career to then kind of take off but yeah would recommend and that's why jess is on my list it's a good pick i like it good movie good character Good pick. Good job, Dana. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie, for the validation. I really needed that. <laughs> I just want to say in this uh, International Women's Day themed podcast, Dana, you've done surprisingly well. <laughs> <laughs> Dana, you've done so great. You've come second. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> You didn't have the balls to be a dick at the start of the podcast. I'm picking up for you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few um, honourable mentions as well. I don't know if you want me to go through those now or if we'll do an honourable mentions. Um, let's do it at the end, I think. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, we great. can all go through okay. our, our honourable mentions at the end. My last one on the list, I am going back to uh, the literary world. I am going into the world of Harry Potter. I'm not going with the uh, Hermione Granger pick, though. I feel like there is a lot of good female characters in Harry Potter, personally. Some don't get as much time to shine, and I will talk about a couple more of those in my uh, honourable mentions, but I am going to go with Ginny Weasley. Yeah, uh, apparently like she's a totally different character in the books. And this is why I said the literary world, because it's very, very different to how she's portrayed in the movies. In the movies... She's awful. And she's bland. I, so uh, bland. It infuriates me how badly they did Ginny. Like, yeah. yeah. In the books, Ginny is like the coolest character. She's like the most popular girl in school. She is the Quidditch superstar. Yeah, isn't she like the captain? Or is she becomes Harry? the captain uh, when uh, Harry is no longer around. She becomes the captain of the Quidditch team. For Ginny, the reason why I like her so much is that she comes into the book story as like a typical 11 year old she's very shy she's very like you know socially awkward doesn't know what to do around her crush harry potter and then goes through like the most traumatic event anybody has to experience and is mind controlled and possessed by the most evil person in the universe and fights through that gets through that comes back better than ever and she becomes her own character like i think it would be very easy and i don't want to give jk rowling too much praise here because she's obviously a a problematic figure in herself but it could have been very easy for Ginny weasley to have been the forgotten character after that especially with yeah the fam the family dynamic around her of like fred and george being these you know super cool super loud characters ron weasley being the best friend of the most famous person in the world But the fact that Ginny comes back and, like I said, becomes, like, the most popular kid in school is an immensely powerful witch. Like, people in the books are talking about how powerful Ginny Weasley is, like, through the time that she's in school. She joins Dumbledore's army, is joins the crew when they go to the Ministry of Magic to fight Death Eaters in her fourth year. Like, keep in mind that she's fucking 14 years old fighting fully grown adults here. And then... You know, the Golden Trio leave to go out and look for their Horcruxes, and she is leading a rebellion in school against, again, fully grown adults while she's there just, like, fighting the good fight in the halls of Hogwarts. It's just what she does as a character in the books is just incredible. And, like, she goes on, this is obviously, like, 
outside of the book lore and, you know, further on down the track, she goes on to become an actual professional Quidditch player. Like she is an inspirational character in the sense that she came back from literally one of the darkest moments in the book, in the, in this, in the story and just becomes this incredibly dynamic, fun character. Doesn't take shit from anybody. Doesn't like, you know, Ron tries to control her when she's out dating boys. And she's like, you know what, Ron? Fuck you. You know, just because you've never kissed anybody doesn't mean you get to tell me what to do with my body. And like... Simple Ron. Just, it's, yeah. I I love the fact that she doesn't care who she stands up against. It's, it could be her brother. It could be Death Eaters. Like, she doesn't give a shit. She's like, no, I'm living my life and I'm going... Like, she stands up to Harry, the main character, constantly. She's like, no, Harry, you can't tell me what to do. I am going to live my life. And it, I love it. And again, like, the same as Annabeth Chase, she transcends that typical YA love interest who's just there just to be just to be pretty. And the the boy falls in love with her. She brings so much more to that than, yeah, just that typical love interest trope. So, yeah, I'm a big book Ginny Weasley fan, not movie fan. She sucks in the movies. <laughs> I feel as though your comment there about, you know, she's not just there as the love interest. That's exactly what she was there for in the film. Like they didn't show yes. any of that. Yeah, exactly. And granted, like they've got oh. limited screen time. They really have to focus on the the golden trio there. But she very much was like, why, why is Harry falling for her? Like I don't, I don't get it. I, I only read like- up to halfway through the fifth book. So I didn't get any of that extra stuff from Ginny. So my understanding of Ginny is very much based in the film. So at first I was like, I don't know if you saw my face. Yeah. Like, mm, cooked pick there from Rick. Weird really choice. This one up. Yeah. No, it's um, purely, purely yeah. book Ginny because yeah, like in the movies, she's just this weird character that's just there. And like her, her relationship with Harry, they go and have in the, uh, the half blood prince. He goes back to the burrow for Christmas and she's like, Oh, your shoelace is untied. And then she ties up his shoelace and then she force feeds him food on the couch. Like this is, awkward and awful whereas in the books you can see why harry falls in love with Ginny is because she is just so again like from coming back from being possessed by the most evil person in the world to being this yeah wizard hitler to being this uh like it's just ultra confident ultra capable like i said immensely powerful but also just one of the most fun characters in there as well. Like she's not just written as this one dimensional love interest. She is there to be her own standalone character. She's so much fun. She's got so much personality. And every time we watch Harry Potter, cause Cora loves that, like loves to watch that. That's her comfort thing to watch. Every time we watch that, I get mad when Ginny's around. It's like, this is, this is not what Ginny is supposed to be. Like, she's done so dirty in the movies. So yeah, lots of, lots of love for Ginny Weasley in the books, specifically in the books. I'm surprised none of us had Molly Weasley for the like the mother character. She, mm. I mean, we're going to talk about yeah the honorable mentions, but oh, okay. I, yeah, I did have her on the list. <laughs> All right, well, time for my final character. Yep, I'm shocked you didn't choose this one because it's a Star Wars character. I think I know who you're going to say. All right, yeah, so do I. My choice is none other than Daisy Ridley's. Ray Palpatine slash Skywalker. I don't believe you. And why is that? I thought you were going to pick Ahsoka. I am picking Ahsoka. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never in my life choose a character from the sequels and don't you ever think that ever again. (laughs) No, I'm choosing Ahsoka. Ahsoka Tano, Padawan of The Chosen One. Just a great character through and through. I've uh, restarted watching Clone Wars in the last one or two months. And I'm just dying when Ahsoka's on screen because obviously the final season came out 2021. Was it last year? I think last wasn't year? it. Yeah, I think. No, I think it was the year before. Yeah, it was the year before, and you got to see like the end of her character. Also, we thought because you know there's all this new content that keeps coming out, but the the journey she goes on through the Clone Wars series is insane. She starts off like as this annoying, annoying. The character, like, no one liked her at the start. Everyone was like, oh, why did they do this? Why did they give Anakin this annoying panel? What, two seasons in or something? And she's there. She's complete, like, she's had, like, a complete turnaround. She's just a well-rounded character. She blends, like, she blends in well with the story, like, and the it adds so much more to the overall arc of Star Wars, you know, like, with Anakin's fall, it's like, hey, well, Right, before he's like, you know, he lost Padme and Obi-Wan, but now like there's this whole relationship with Ahsoka, which 
breaks my heart even more, you know? And she just becomes such a capable character by the end of the series. She's taking on, you know, Darth Maul, who's one of the most popular Star Wars characters and probably one of the stronger ones. I don't know. Just Ahsoka's just such a good character. And yeah. I am excited to see her new series. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. But yeah, that's... Uh, I, I had Ahsoka on my short list as well. And like for me, one of the things that I've always loved about Ahsoka, it's the growth that you see throughout where she, yeah, like I said, she become, like she comes in as this annoying, like petulant kid that's just like arguing with her, her mentor, and then becomes one of like the most wisest people in the show. And I the just, fact that her, she... Her arc when... um. She gets arrested. That's yeah. That's what I say. When she turns like, away from the Jedi, when she order. leaves. She's like, "This is this is obviously not like what I thought it was. This yes. isn't for me." And she like makes the call herself. Like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that this is for me. I'm gonna follow my own path. And it's it's a very good choice. Yes, you know? yes. So like the she correct fought, choice. Yeah, she followed like her instincts. Trusted in the Force. It was very like on character move, and um, it just made her that much more likable. So Katana, great character. But yes, that's uh, that was my last one. Thank nice. you for listening. To I had to talk. Google her. I didn't know what she Because <laughs> I've not watched a lot of Star Wars. That's okay. I All mean, right, thanks yeah. for tuning in, everyone. Speak to you next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right, do we want to uh, do a quick run through of our uh, honourable mentions? Yeah, okay, go on. I had Molly Weasley, as we already said. We already talked about having Molly Weasley on the list. And I think, and the other the other Harry Potter character that I had saying that, you know, there's a lot of good female characters in Harry Potter. I had Professor McGonagall as well. Fucking oh, love yeah. Professor McGonagall. Marge Simpson was another one that I had on the list of just being a good mother. You know, I also said that we had uh, Leslie Nope on my honorable mentions. I also had Ewan who was the only other one that I had. Like, they were one of, they were one of two females from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, she's an absolutely she's, badass. Yeah, so. Eowyn was on my list. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so she made everyone's sure. backup list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not main character energy. Um, no, no, unfortunately Yeah, not. definitely yeah. a great, great pick. Uh, so I had Lisa Simpson on my list. I didn't do Marge. I went okay. with Lisa. Um, I had Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development. Great Love it. Show if you've not watched it. <laughs> Uh, I had Kat Stratford from Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, that's a good one. And then one. I had I don't I don't know if either of you have ever watched uh, A League of Their Own, which was a Tom Hanks film about women's baseball in during World War Two. Anyway, no, no. I had a character Dottie from that who's played by Gina Davis. It's a kick-ass film. Would recommend Madonna's in it as well. Rosie O'Donnell, like great film. Yeah, so that's my uh, honorable mentions. Nice. Okay. Well, so I had. Annabeth Chase. Obviously. I had Leslie Nope. I had Eowyn. I also had Princess Fiona from the Shrek movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, yeah. Great pick. Love um, that. I had Polly Gray from the Peaky Blinders series. She's like the Grey Brothers auntie. Great character. Mm-hmm. Also, great show. You should watch it, Rick. I know you haven't. Um, I had Edna Mode from Incredibles just because she's... Because <laughs> she's an icon. Yeah, she's an icon. Yeah. Darling. And I had Mulan. Mm. All nice. great women. Yes, women. <laughs> yes, the girls. <laughs> yeah, the girls. Shall we wrap it up there then? Yes. Wait, who? Yeah. Tell, uh, let us know who had the best pick. It's not a competition, man. <laughs> no, it should be. Let us know what female characters we missed and who you would have liked to see on the list exactly. and tell us why they're important and iconic Yeah, but also you. tell me that Toph Beifong was the best. <laughs> He's like, on this special Women's Day, validate me in particular, no, please. <laughs> not me. Toph. Toph. Not me. Forget me. Say Rick chose it. Toph. Oh. Uh, before we go, happy International Women's Day. I don't know if either of you know this, but the theme for International Women's Day this year is digital, which is innovation and technology for gender equality. Um, so I feel as though doing a podcast really fits with that theme. And shout out to all the great women in our lives as well. Particular shout Absolutely. out to um, people of the podcast that we might know, Cora, who is an important woman in Rick's life and also Amelia, who's an important person in Robbie's life, Rick's although he would life. like to say that um, <laughs> she is not, but we love both of them. 
and I hope everybody has a fantastic day. What a lovely way to finish. Yeah, and shout out to Dana for joining Sh- us yes, today. Yes, thank you very well. much, Dana, for once again coming back, <laughs> teaching us a Not few things. A problem. It's cool. always a pleasure having you on. Just about to say that. I didn't roast you as much this time, Robbie, but there's always another time for that. Yeah, well, we'll find some other time to do it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it won't be too far away. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay on the line. Um, I've got a few things I want to run past you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. Uh, before we finish up, Robbie, do you have a recommendation for us? I did. I'm going to recommend a series that my girlfriend Kelly and I have been watching on Netflix. Wait, did I recommend the Physical 100 already? No. Okay, well, the Physical 100, okay? <laughs> um, it's a Korean TV show on Netflix. It's got, like, the fittest people from South Korea, like, all from different athletic backgrounds. So they've got, like, Olympians, they've got CrossFitters, bodybuilders, all sorts of, like, even just, like, influencers. They've got a couple of them, dancers, whatever, and they'll compete in, like, competitions. It's, it's very squid games, but no one dies. Because it's a uh, good, it's real people. <laughs> um, but no, it's really cra- like it's a really awesome show. But I was saying to Kelly, I was I would love for it to translate to like Australia if we could have a show like that. But they're such good sports. Like when they're competing against each other, they're like going for it. But at the end of it, they're like, "Look, well done, you you beat us." Like I wish I could have beaten you, but like you bested me. Like it's very like respectful. Yeah, I was like that would not run here. <laughs> but it's just really good show to watch. Some of the people in that show are just ridiculously fit. Yeah. Um, I've seen some clips of it and I, wa- I was watching one where they were like, it was like kind of like a wrestling match, but they were also like picking up balls and like yeah, running yeah. around with balls. Like, I don't know what is going on, that's but like this the, is just That's wild. like the second episode. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, the, the Physical 100, it's nine episodes. The, the last episode comes out on, oh, it will have already come out by the time this comes out. So yeah. Yeah, it's uh, if you like, I don't know, fitness, I guess, check it out. The Physical 100 on Netflix. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Robbie. We'll wrap it up now. Again, Dana, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, if you're having- Thank you for having me again. <laughs> Look, happy to do it. Happy to do it. <laughs> if you have enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure you jump onto our social medias and give us a like on there. Give us a follow. Interact with what we've got up there. Let us know, as Dana said, let us know who we missed out, who you think we should have on the list on our Rushmore's that, uh, I guess these are personal things, so it's not who you think we should have on there, but let us know who is on your personal Rushmore. And if you do have anything else that you'd like us to cover or anything to talk about, do send us an email at the only pop culture podcast at gmail.com. I think that's it. Sure that's it. Great. Uh, well, Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Bye, Mum. Bye, Mum. <laughs>